Hello and welcome uh, to the show. We're joined today by Mark Selby and also Dave Lotan. We're going to ask the question today is how should you, could you, can you value companies before you place your hard-earned capital uh, in there? So uh, first of all, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very good. Hey, Matthew. You how are you good? doing? All good, Dave. All good, Dave. I'm, I'm excited, actually, because what we're going to try and do is kind of, kind of strip back and simplify for investors a process or maybe a few a few different ways of looking at companies when you're trying to evaluate them. We, we, we talk a lot about doing fundamental analysis. And I'm not quite sure everyone totally understands what that means. So I'm just going to ask a real simple question of both of you. I'll start with you, Dave. When you're looking to invest capital into a company, what do you look for? Well, the very first thing that I look for, Matthew, is uh, who's going to buy it from me? I don't want to buy anything uh, where I don't have a strong suspicion of who the clients, the ultimate client is. Uh, and I want to have uh, a pretty good uh, estimate on what their buying power is. So using gold as an example, uh, I think that the 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 buying capacity of the the industry right now is a function of the market cap of, of the big and, and the mid-sized companies. Probably you have about a quarter billion dollars worth of market cap at the big companies right now. Maybe 20% of that market cap at most is available for investing. And if you knock out the Chinese companies who you know aren't well received in some jurisdictions and the, uh, the royalty companies, uh, that number goes down pretty dramatically. So 20% of, of, of that balance is uh, adjusted for the, the royalty companies and, and um, companies that aren't likely to be buyers. It's about $40 billion. Uh, but when I look at that cohort, I think maybe Goldfields is still a buyer. Maybe Northern Star would buy something. Kinross. So among the major gold producers, a million and a half ounces or more, maybe there's $7 billion total of buying power right now. And the maximum transaction size I see is maybe Goldfields could tuck in something for two and a half billion. Uh, from there, it drops really, really dramatically and really quickly. You're talking about Endeavor Alamos B2, all of which it could maybe manage a billion dollar acquisition at most, assuming 20% is sort of the limit that they want to go to. So if someone tells you their company is undervalued, uh, those, are the, that's, those are the maximum sizes. Uh, of transaction uh, that really are available for majors or mid-tiers at the moment. Right, so there's not a lot of money around, and there's certainly not a lot of new money around either. Like looking in here in the in the gold space, does that change any uh, mark when you're looking at some of the the, the base battles, some of the you know battery models? No, it, it it's even more so. You know, Dave makes a fantastic point. All private equity guys, when they make a deal, when they buy something. They've always all, already thought through what the exit's going to be. And, and if they can't see a clear path to an exit, they don't make the acquisition. So, you know, as, as investors in junior mining, you know, you, you really do need to think who's going to buy it. And, you know, the rally was 30 years ago. You might have had three or four tiers of buyers. There is this case, kind of nice food chain where, you know, people, companies that were smaller size could actually buy small scale development projects and get them funded. You know, the reality today is, as Dave said, you've got this very small top slice at the at, at, at the very top of the food chain, and they're the only ones, you know, who've, who've got enough firepower to actually buy anything underneath. So, um, you know, think through that for sure. And then 
you know, to Dave's point in terms of pool of capital, you know, now, I mean, lithium's, you know, obviously expanded and, and we're talking a few days after, um, you know, as Azure just got this bid on, on a no resource X drill holes to you know, pretty nice, uh, lithium drill holes. But, um, you know, other than that, there's, there's still not necessarily a huge amount of capital in the space. And as you get, you know, away from gold, silver, copper, you know, the amount of capital, you know, shrinks very, very, very quickly. So if, if you're in an obscure mineral, you know, it's, it's, it's very tough to think that, you know, there might be somebody on the other side to actually buy this transaction. And then you have to be confident the team running it in that case actually, actually can build it because otherwise you're never going to see a path to cash flow. Right. But, but Dave, but what you say, it's important. You look, that's one of the first things you look to, who's going to buy this thing, right? Why is that important? We see lots of exploration co's who are so far away from being in a position to put themselves for Azure is an extreme case. I think we can discount it. Where you know pre-resource or pre-economic study, that's where retail like to hang out. Where they like to play. The last question they're asking themselves surely is who's going to buy this thing? Yeah, I think I think at their peril. Uh, and I mean, lithium's a very interesting example right now. Five years ago. Uh, I sat in a presentation at PDAC where a very famous investment uh, pundit talked about um, how the lithium industry was a mirage. Albemarle and SQM were going to dominate the industry. They had 100 years of resources each. They would never buy anything. And here we are five years later, and all of the brines have been cleaned out in Argentina by Gan Feng. Uh, and a couple of other uh, Chinese actors. And now we've gone to pegmatites. And the best pegmatite resources in the world are quickly being cleaned up by SQM, Albemarle, uh, and Rio Tinto is out there doing multi-decamillion-dollar joint ventures around lithium. So uh, it's a great example of how quickly things can change. And as we discussed off-screen, or uh, off-screen, uh, it's a sector that has chaos actors in it. Uh, Gina Reinhardt uh, deciding to uh, foil Albemarle's bid for Lion Town, and uh, who knows what she's doing in relation to the the Azure uh, bid. Uh, but it's a very interesting space, and it's an example of, of how quickly things can change. So uh, you might, if you were buying lithium six or seven years ago, have had to have quite an imagination to see this coming. Uh, but there's nothing like government policy, trillion dollar legislation like the Inflation Reduction Act to change things in a real hurry. I don't necessarily see those things happening outside the battery metal sector. So if you're trying to imagine a, a world where your gold company is going to get a, a, a $2 billion bid, mm, I'm not sure where that's coming from. But, uh, but I suppose good things do come out of seemingly nowhere as lithium illustrates yeah i think on that part you know in terms of why you want a buyer it's it's markets like today you know you know we again we've gone through almost sort of three years now of 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 really you know you know horrible equity markets you know and at the end you know what what help what helps keep your asset from be, becoming a zero or you basically you know ha having to say look at i've got it i'm down 80 percent you know over a two-year period i gotta take i gotta take my money out because i gotta go buy groceries um is you know is 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 the fact that you may have you may have an acquirer come in and actually take that asset, you know, lithium is a great example. I mean, you know, right now, um, so many people just it's got lithium in its name. Something pops up, quote it's quote new, but 
you might as well go to the horse track and bet on a horse with lithium in the name because at least one of those nine are going to win the race. You know, in the junior mining space, there might be a th- you know five hundred people, and 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 none of them none of them end up winning. And, and and now lithium again as a commodity analyst, like there are times where you get this real secular shift in a commodity. Um, but if you're going to make that bet, you have to do it really do the work to do it. And, if, and again, if you really do the work, then you, you then you can you, you can get it you can figure it out. Like in 2019, early 2020, you know, two years after uh, David said this guy stood up. Yeah, that's what the market looked like. I mean, lithium was, you know, most of the companies that had started to develop stuff were nearly bankrupt. Um, but if you did the work on lithium as a commodity, you go, oh, like there was no way all the supply is going to come on time and come on line in time to be able to, to meet this demand. But unless you're prepared to really do the work on the commodity, like those 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 shifts come along once in a decade and you got to do the work to be able to, to pick it properly again. Otherwise, you're just throwing money in, in the shredder like that's. You know, the, you know that that's the caution there. Th- those are quite hard things for people to actually verify and, and validate, though. In, ter- in terms of if you, lithium example, to, to look look at those two major producers, you know, how quickly could they turn the taps? I remember it was a JP Morgan report that actually said, I think, and you know that they can sate the world's demand for this in, in perpetuity. But the reality was that takes money and time, even for existing producers. So that that, but it's that's hard to get at. So. Apart from can it be bought and who's going to buy it, how else do you look at these things, Dave? How, how like if, let's stick down at the exploration side, side of the things where it's a bit early days. It's a bit, it's even a bit hard to answer the question down down there as to can this thing be bought because you don't really know what you've got. So what do you look at? I think of the exploration cohort as 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 one giant science experiment. So I, I look at uh, what's on the venture and what's on the ASX, uh, and I suppose uh, I missed Greatland Gold because uh, they were on uh, the AIM, which is an exchange that I think is 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 not um, well served by liquidity for for gold exploration, anyways. Um, and and I I think about uh, what the what what the context looks like. So right now the venture is at five twenty. It bottomed at, at in in 2015 after a long bear market at about 470. It would seem like we're very close to minimum capital availability for that space, and therefore the constituents within the TSXV are probably close to their bottom. It's a completely capital flow driven industry, uh, and uh, and given that I think the total market cap of Mining companies on the venture right now is something like thirty billion dollars, and that's a thousand companies. It's not a not a not a big market cap between them, and obviously that's smaller than the market cap of any major producer. Now, most of those companies are garbage, but within the thousand or so companies, there are a hundred companies uh, that either have good people who want to make discoveries, who maybe have discoveries in progress. Uh, or uh, maybe they're not even great people, but they have a discovery. Uh, and uh, and so right now I feel pretty aggressive about buying these companies because I think we're at, at a low in, in, in capital available through the industry. And over time, capital has always flowed back into this industry, the, the R&D section of it, I should say. And one of the reasons is, 65% of deposits currently being mined today were discovered by juniors. So the sector, even though it produces a lot of zeros, 
over history has demonstrated its utility, and uh, it's a stock picker's market. So stock picking's out of favor, that's a bit of a problem. There isn't a lot of stock picking capital available for the business, but it, 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 uh, it doesn't require much capital actually uh, to light the fire. It, it, it doesn't. And it, <clears throat> I, I guess my, I immediately go to thinking about if I'm a retail guy and I'm looking at all of this choice, you said most, I would say it's 70, 80% garbage, right? I think it's, I, I don't think that would be harsh. But for, for, the, for average retail looking at all of these companies, all pretty much saying the same thing and all pretty much roughly in the same position, it's hard to work out who's who at the zoo. So again, if you're looking in, what are the either um, assets, uh, variables that you're looking for? What, are, what, defi- what defines good management team? What are the ratios that you need to see? Do you say it's a, it's a fool's errand to rush in before there's a resource or even an economic study in this thing? I mean, how would you look at it, Mark? Yeah, I think you know. I, I think the key thing is, yeah, the, of that thousand companies, you know, nine hundred and fifty of of them aren't aren't so good. So the first part is, you know, did, had, is the management team actually ever discovered anything and taken it, you know, beyond beyond one or two drill holes? You know, that's number one, right? Then number two is, have they raised been have a proven track record of actually raising enough capital to get it to the point where it's an advanced exploration? Uh, target or to get to a resource because again that takes 10 or 20 million dollars and if they go through that list of companies there aren't many people who've been able to raise 10 or 20 million dollars and so you know all of a sudden if that gets rid of two-thirds of of what's there then you then you can start looking at the 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 targets themselves and and again you know what most of the crappy companies do is they grab some asset that's been looked at through three nickel booms or three gold booms you know it got part way there and then they drill a hole really close to the last really good intersection that has been drilled historically and talk about, oh, well, they hit, you know, five grams over 10 meters. Um, and so you need to look to say, okay, is, is this a, is this a brand new discovery or is, is this, is this a team that, that has an old asset and can effectively communicate, you know, that there's a new theory here in terms of why these deposits, um, you know, could hold a bigger resource. Um, you know, again, a Cisco with thinking that all these high-grade gold mines in in Quebec that had been mined for 70 years, there's actually this giant low-grade deposit sitting around it that actually has way more ounces than was ever mined, you know, from these individual uh, high-grade mines. They need to have a theory as to what's going to be different this time. And again, with enough technical expertise to actually be able to 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 uh, to be able to deliver it. If you just use those three filters, you know, that will literally get rid of, you know, 80% uh, of what's there. And then you can actually start looking at, at what, what the deposit there. I don't, they, they, you know, what, what you spend a lot more time than I do looking at in investing around, around across companies and you've, you've been, been good at it. So investing in the red light district of the sector. Yes, for sure. Uh, well, it, 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 it's just to pick, just to pick a couple of enduring themes. So Cisco is a great example. Uh, the Malartic region had hosted, uh, let's say, probably 10 or 20 little high-grade operations over the years. Bob Wares, uh, John Brzezinski, and Sean Rosen had a theory that that you could turn the whole thing into a super pit, essentially, and mine it uh, in the way that these giant super pits were being mined in Africa, provided that when you drilled between these old mines, uh, th- there was gold in between. Uh, first, they had to unite the land package, which took several years. 
Uh, they wanted uh, some of the old historical tailings to go back to the province and get sterilized and come out without environmental liabilities. Some of that went into a lottery. They had to buy that from Glenn Mullen and Jack Stock. But eventually they put the package together. Uh, they had a great theory on the package. It needed to be proven, and it was. And then all they had to do was move a town, uh, which was, uh, I guess, easier than many of us thought it would be. Uh, raise a billion dollars uh, and uh, and and get it uh, up and running and commissioned and uh, and and they did. That's that's a you know that that will happen in every cycle. Somebody will will take a land package that that was somehow disassembled, put it back together, apply new thinking to an old district, and make you a bunch of money. But it will maybe happen for one in a thousand companies. Uh, and using uh, Mark and I guess uh, Martin Treen at FPX as an example, you know, big low-grade nickel occurrences suddenly brought uh, into value because of the rush for battery metals and the scarcity of nickel resources. Uh, and then this sort of green swan where I guess is it uh, magnesium in the tailings that allows you to sequester carbon, Mark? I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what where the... What, yeah, which which uh, and and carbon sequestration will be right. Carbon sequestration will be critical if if we're going to keep this net zero facade going. It's not going to happen without a mass nuclear adoption and b carbon sequestration technology. So that's taken some of these nickel projects, which generate uh, this this mineral in their tailings. And 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 change the ball game for them. Um, so th those are those are things that not every investor can can figure out. Um, but that's why it's a stock picker's market. But, but let's come back to something you said though, um, Dave and, and Mark. You can pick up on this as well if you want. It, it, I think you were effectively saying a, a few minutes ago that we're at or near bottom. In your opinion, is, is, is that? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that the, what you're thinking? The larger context for me is that uh, assuming that I want to buy when flows are low and sell when flows are high, flows are low. Okay, right. So, that, so therefore, I think what's interesting, and so we, we've had conversations in the uranium space at the moment, I guess the only kind of green shoots that seem to be around at the moment, it feels like, but one of, well, I spoke to like three different fund managers, they're all saying you've got generalists looking into the space. They're, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't understand the vocabulary, the, 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 the language and or the narrative or the supply demand fundamentals, but they're trying to learn because they kind of feel there's a bigger macro thematic here in terms of energy transition and baseload and, and all of that kind of good stuff as, as renewables fall slightly out of favor. And those generalists, any one which of which could dramatically change the uranium market because it's so tiny. It's a, it's a tiny space within an already tiny universe that we all operate in. Do you see generalists looking to lean in? Mark, and maybe this one for you, because you're on the kind of the, the battery metal side. Do you see these generalists kind of looking in, buying into this kind of big thematic? And again, how do they value an entity like yours? How do they value companies and before they deploy capital? Because they need to deploy meaningful capital, don't they? I think in terms of, you know, the the, the thing to watch for in terms of when the generalists come in is you'll see a cascade happening. So, you know, if, if, if a metal or a sector all of a sudden sort of turns into favor, the first thing the generalists go for are the cash flow, the producers, right? And the, the big producers in that sector, then you'll see them go into the, um, 
you know, in, into the, the 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 higher torque developers, and then um, they'll eventually get down to the junior space. So the the, the key piece there is you, you need to see that cascade happen. When I was I worked at Quadra fifteen years ago, which was a copper company, I could tell when the hedge funds were were shift were rotating in into copper because you would see Freeport go. Once Freeport got going, if if Quadra then took off because we were the highest torque copper name in the space, then, you know, within a short period of time, you would start to see some of the better Explorer developers, you know, start to catch a bit. Um, but if, if you don't, if you don't see that them coming in those, those quote, safe entry points, then you're, you know, that, that, that's, that's the signpost uh, to look for, you know, in a sector rotation, it could, because that's the part, I mean, when the generalists do come into the sector, you know, because I mean, liquidity right now is so low, that even a small amount of incremental capital causes the sector to pop. And if you get some of these bigger funds allocate even a smaller percentage more to this basic material sector, then it causes things to rip. You know, I think we are a year or two away from that point. You know, that we're starting to see tech companies, you know, it's earning season right now. Some of those companies aren't doing so well. And so this automatic, I just buy tech and I, you know, I make 15% a year. That trade seems to maybe finally you know, falling down a little bit. And I think people are realizing that basic materials, you know, we are, we've underinvested now for, for the better part of a decade, you know, that they are going to get a cyclical build, bid here. Um, but again, I, I don't know whether that's going to be a year from now or three years from now, uh, but you know, that's it, that's the tricky part. Okay. So, so I'm just conscious of time here because yeah, you yeah. guys have got up early in the morning here, but is just give, give me some of the simple ratios that you look at when you investigate, whether it be an exploration or a developer. What are, what are the actual data points that you look at? I get the macro. We've talked macro so far. Let's get into it. MPV per as what, what? How do you look at it, Dave? I, when I'm looking at gold companies, and that's where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, I'm not a nickel expert, although I, I appreciate the scarcity of good nickel sulfide resources. So from time to time, I will I will come into names like Chalice, for instance, uh, when they make their discovery uh, or or Sirius. Uh, but unless it's a really ex- exceptional drill hole, uh, it, it, it doesn't work for me. So I guess when it comes to investing in gold and gold exploration names, uh, 100 gram meter holes are sort of the staple of the industry. If somebody drills one of those out of nowhere, uh, then you need to think about whether or not you're going to be a buyer of that. Uh, but you should only buy it if you look at the market cap of the company on the day. Uh, and 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 if you believe that the average takeout value historically would still generate a multiple if the company uh, is, is really on to something. So when I think about the gold industry, again, uh, I think of the average takeout value uh, for good discoveries over the last two decades as being around 500 million U.S. dollars. And uh, if a 50 million dollar company generates a hundred grand meter hole, uh, then the the chances that it can get to a 500 million dollar valuation uh, are at least in play uh, if it's. Uh, already a multi-hundred million dollar company and out of nowhere it drills a hundred gram meter hole, I'm less interested. I need a big margin of safety between the current valuation where I think these things trade on average. Uh, and I really don't care that much about the other details when it's a new discovery and it needs to be new. It can't be a new zone and something old 
It has to be a new discovery. It has to offer a 10x multiplier from its current market cap to where things go out. And then I'll think about buying it. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me, basically, has the team ever actually discovered anything? Has the team proven that they can raise money? Um, you know, to Dave's point in terms of, you know, is this a deposit that someone would actually want to buy? And, and again, even if you're not technical, go look to see if you can find a similar deposit and see what that might have been bought for. And if you can't find anything that hasn't been bought in the last 15 years, it's probably not, you know, not, you know, not going to be bought. And then, you know, look to see whether, you know, there's, it could get to a scale of something that's, you know, some, somebody, somebody might want to pick up just because of the scale of it. And if you can't answer those four questions, you shouldn't make it. Today's point, you want that margin of safety. If it's a 10% chance or a 10, 10 bagger from there, again, go to the horse track. You got a one in nine chance, most races of winning, right? And that's, that's, that's a way better place money than, than gambling with, 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 with. Right. So those are the positive. Could I literally flip those on the head and say those would be the red flags? Yeah. Would that be a safer thing? Or there any other any other scenarios where you think actually that restarts? You know, would would you would you ignore those? How do you come at that? Oh, I think a restart as as a as a basically um, had someone who's had a successful one and, and watched a bunch of train wrecks happen. Uh, Beta Hunt, we bought it at the bottom at that when Dave's talking about that index bottoming at four seventy. You know, we took our tiny little amount of cash and some stock and bought an asset that was a nickel restart at that point in time. Our theory of the deposit though, was there was gold underneath that had been briefed and mined and barely touched in the early 1980s and realized, yeah, there was a gold mine sitting underneath this nickel deposit. We struggled through and undercapitalized, you know, uh, $10 million short for a long time. And we by the almost sold it before we hit the major thing, just because we didn't believe in the mine. We just couldn't raise that last $10 million worth of capital. Um, in that market. And so again, if there's a clear theory as to what's different about the asset this time and a team that's got the technical base to be able to actually execute it, then 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 do it. I mean, on the nickel side, Avbury is a mine that's failed twice. Someone just restarted it and it failed literally within six months of restarting. You know, there's you know, um there's other other stuff in the gold space that that's been a train wreck multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I just say and I just just I just I just add to this. When the, so assuming that we're at a capital low, we'll assume there are no generalists in the space. And I think that, that that's fair to say at the moment. And of course, I'm talking about the junior end of the natural resource space. The very first thing they look for when they come back are things they can put values on. They need resources. Uh, they love restarts. Pure gold was a darling of the industry because it was a restart in a venerated gold camp, uh, Red Lake. Uh, where underground mines have a history of discovering new and highly profitable zones. It had great sponsorship with Anglo Gold, Chanty, and Arab's broadest big investors. And it was candy for the journalist crowd as they were coming into the space at the time. I see no problem with investing prospectively in companies that have those attributes today, but that are not trading well. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I'm, I can we're a bit tight for time here. So I'm going to shut this conversation down for now to intellectuals of the space i uh, respect and like listening to we maybe pick this up and maybe um see what see what people are um are curious about another time so thank you very much gentlemen mark selby of canada nickel dave lutan industry guru uh appreciate time today thank you very much